Welcome to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I'm your host, Christy Love. I believe in taking massive action to overcome life's biggest challenges because I know the rewards that lie on the other side. This show is a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to help you level up in your life. Here's to a new you where your dedication, commitment, and staying true to yourself will make your wildest dreams come alive. I'm a transformational trainer, speaker, firm mama, and proud wife to a distinguished Navy SEAL. We believe in the motto, never give up, never quit, while doing it all with love. I'll share real talks with experts and thought leaders who offer proven strategies to turn your barriers into success in this unfiltered, transformational, and thought-provoking podcast. Let's do this. Hello, listeners. Welcome. Today, we are meeting an amazing woman who is the founder of My Body Culture. She is a woman who is all about creating a healthy body and mind, and she not only teaches health, but she looks like the epitome of health. So you know she practices what she preaches. She's been quoted in Reader's Digest, Prevention Magazine, Women's Health, Cosmopolitan, Working Mother, Spark People, My Fitness Pal, and Beach Body. Oh my. <laughs> she even did all of this while undergoing her own physical challenges. She's also a speaker, a facilitator, an instructor, and a mother. I am so excited for you all to listen to and meet Ms. Janice Isaman. Hi, Janice. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here on the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. Tell me a little bit about your story. So as you mentioned in that intro, I am a movement specialist. And what that really means is I help people feel better in their body. And I do that for a living, basically, because I have had some periods where I didn't feel great in my body. And one of those periods actually was after I opened my own business. So my pathway to opening the business actually started from high school. I was really, really, really not athletic to the point where I recall crying in my high school phys ed teacher's office because my phys ed score was bringing my whole average down. So I wasn't a very likely candidate to become a fitness and health practitioner. When I went away to post-secondary education, I fell in love with running. And it was the first time in my life that I had actually discovered movement modalities that didn't involve balls and kind of traditional sports skills, because I'm terrible at them. To this day, I'm still terrible at them. But because I didn't come from that athletic background and I didn't come from that movement comes naturally to me outlook... I got injured when I was running. And if you've ever had a running injury, it tends to be very painful and quite persistent. So if we were to encapsulate what I do for a living, I created a business around a solution that I wish that I'd had when I was looking for a solution. So I went to a sports doctor. I went to the chiropractor. I went to the rolfer. I went to this person and that person, the massage therapist, the acupuncturist. All of those are amazing disciplines. And I actually refer clients back and forth to many of those kinds of practitioners, but I would get temporary pain relief, go out for a run, back it would come. So basically what I do for a living now is 
have a whole business that is around that genesis where I had aches and pains in my body. It did impact the quality of my life. I remember I lived in a house with stairs and just walking up and down the stairs was incredibly painful. And so, I mean, I was, I think I was 18 or 19. So that's very young to have a kind of issue where you can't go into the basement of your own home. And so I didn't want to live like that. And I went off and I had another career, but I basically remained really committed to discovering more about my body. And I was doing it all from the aspect of this doesn't come naturally to me. It takes me time and effort to learn and to practice and to figure out what's happening. And I always kind of laugh now because I say, if I can figure it out in my own body, I can teach it to anybody. <laughs> so I ended up working an entirely different career and I did that for many years and had this health and fitness passion. So I would take certifications, never really thinking that I was going to end up teaching or having a business around it. But that's exactly what I ended up doing. And after I opened my business, I actually had a baby before I opened my business. But after I opened my business, I physically burned out and I had an illness where I was sick for five years. I fell on my tailbone. I was single parenting. I'm actually a lone parent. I gave birth as a lone parent. So I had a full-time dependent and a business and an illness and a physical injury. And I found that I actually was just in a place where I had a whole new understanding of the physical body and what it is to not feel great and chronically so. So then I folded more tools and more techniques and more tricks into my little bag that I give to customers. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's awesome. So you started this epitome of health right after high school. And I remember being in high school and not being physically fit, but wanting to be, you know, in all these sports and things like that, but not loving my body because it wasn't, you know, the right size and the insecurities that surrounded that for many, many years. And it all started around in high school. And I tried to play for those sports. Every time I tried, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners experience the same, you know, I failed. I wasn't good. I found out it just was not my strong point. No, me too. And I love the point that you just raised, which is the aesthetic concerns around that. I think especially we're both female and there is a lot of cultural pressure to look a certain way. And I never met up to that either. (laughs) I did try. It was years in the making before I could really come to peace with getting more into how my body felt than how it looked. Right, right. I think a lot of people need to look at it in that aspect. How does your body feel? You know, you can be thin and not be healthy. And a healthy body weight is important. And loving yourself, I think, and loving yourself and loving the skin that you're in is also important. It could be a challenge. It could be many years of learning, you know, that having the ability to sit down and just love who's in the mirror is just a huge undertaking. It's a huge undertaking. And I talk a lot about it in my teaching because at the end of it, behind every aesthetic concern that we have is typically a functional concern. Something in our brain says this isn't right. And it often relates to tension, compression, stress, discomfort, And it rarely actually relates to our actual body weight or even our body shape. So our brains are actually getting some accurate information, but we're decoding it the wrong way. So 
every client that's ever come to me, and I'm close to 15 years of doing this, that has wanted to lose weight or tone up or change their body shape, I would actually say quite quickly within a, at least a couple months of starting this kind of work, come to a place of being very settled in their body. And they usually lose the desire to make those changes that was driving the engine in the first place. I mean, we can hear that messaging over and over. We can hear it's not what it looks like. It's how it feels. But when you actually start doing the work to feel that, that becomes true. We don't need mantras. We don't need repetition of that. We can live that and experience that. And then that kind of creates that success cycle because we feel great in our body and then we're motivated to want to continue exercising and continue eating well and continue really loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves. Wow, that's amazing. That is so true. Do you find that a lot of the clients that come to you may have experienced a lot of trauma in their body and that has led or has been coming a result from you know, years of the debilitating and self-negative talk, living beliefs, the insecurities that they held on for so many years. What do you see the transformation in the physical, you know, hurts and pains like you, that you express that you have as well? There has never once been a client that I have worked with who has had aches and pains and discomforts in their body that hasn't had associated emotions and emotional stress that's kind of tucked into their body. Never. So some clients don't want to really unpack that or kind of dig deeply into that. And I don't make them, but many clients do. So because I do true one-on-one work with people, I do it over Zoom. And I also have a bricks and mortar space where it's a tiny little studio space. So it's literally just me and the client in the space. I have had the privilege over the years of really developing relationship with clients. And that relationship means that as we're kind of unpeeling and unpacking these aches and pains and nagging discomforts in the body, I start hearing stories and over the years, it's people cheating on their spouses, spouses cheating on them, childhood abuse, sexual trauma, hating a current job, wanting to sell a business, wanting to divorce, you name it, I've heard it at some point. And I think that what happens is we have stress in our life that ends up sitting in our body. And even when the stressor ends, our body isn't certain that that stress has ended. And even if and when those go away, our body's still carrying this unprocessed stress. And that typically shows up in our body as compression. When we have compression of our joints, we have tightness. And probably the best comparison I can give you is if we were to kind of ball up our fist and walk around like that all day, there would be discomfort at some point. And you would start to feel a little angry. You might start to feel a little overwhelmed. You might start to feel a little tired. If you're to do that for 10 years, that would become your normal. You wouldn't even notice that your hand is like that but you would just walk around in a certain state. And that's what a lot of us are actually doing. So we've got these stressors and they can be quite chronic. When I'm talking about affairs and financial stress and work stress, we stop noticing that stress point, but our body doesn't stop noticing that stress point. Then at some point, and it might not even be related to that time frame. there is just all this tension and compression. And it's not helping us move our body. It's just tight shoulders and tight hips and just tightness. It's literally a shell. So 
that is a big piece of the work that I do. If a client wants to go there, we start talking about it. And typically that conversation is actually led by the client's body. You know, we open up the hips and out come these stories. We open up the shoulders and there's conversations. And for a lot of us, it's really deep stuff. And it's stuff that a lot of us feel ashamed about mentioning to someone, you know, how do you say to someone, I don't like my spouse? (laughs) (laughs) How do you say to someone, I've built a business that I've owned for 15 years and I want to sell it. I hate it. Those are hard topics for people to broach, but their body knows what's actually happening. Absolutely. I think you're talking to me. It sounds like you're talking to me because every week when I go to my chiropractor, they tell me that my body's like a hard ball. You know, it's like a big knot. And so I have to work and work and work to kind of loosen that up. I'm like, I didn't do anything, you know, but the stresses of every day is you know, I'm probably just tense. That's how my body reacts is I just balling up like a rock. And so I understand exactly what you're talking about. So you use a form of stretching and talking and letting them vent and releasing whatever their body's holding on in your practice. How long does that usually last? That's a great question. So I have a number of techniques that I utilize One of them is called Yamana body rolling. One of them is critical alignment therapy. One of them is yin, which is a form of yoga. And they're all a little bit different, but they all are basically release techniques where we take that tension and compression out of the body. Again, they have their own little foibles, but it's all techniques that people can replicate at home. So I tell this to all of my clients. I have had people that I've worked with in person that the work falls out of their body within two hours. In fact, I had one client that I'm on the second floor of a, of a heritage building. They didn't even get down to the parking lot and it started to really compress back up. So that person's body was just ready for battle. <laughs> I've had other people that, you know, they can do it once a week or once every two weeks. So that is informative because there's no formula. There's no saying, okay, you're going to do this technique and now you don't have to do it again for a week. I do it myself every day, one of those techniques. So I need a bit more of that because my body does skew towards being more tense. Some people need less of it. So it's actually quite customized. And what I help people do is generate that body awareness so that they know what that feeling is. So when we're kids, we move around, we run, we jump, we play, the body feels free. Surveying the average adult, we wouldn't find that sense of freedom in many people. So for a lot of people, giving their body that blueprint back where we say, okay, this is what it feels like to not have that tension, to not have those knots that you just described, to not have that compression, that in and of itself is actually a huge process for people. And it's really fascinating because I get the privilege of looking at people's eyes after they've done these. And I say, what, what are you feeling in your body? And I see people's eyes kind of looking for sensation. And because there is none for the first time for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, at first it's really foreign because a lot of working out is about tension and compression. A lot of working out at the gym is about feel the burn and feel those muscles tighten. So to feel it go the other way, we can actually struggle to put words to the sensation. But what clients will describe it as most often is kind of coming home to your body. You're coming back into sensations of being nine years old and just going for a bike ride or not being 12 and running 
down the street with your friends. Really, for a lot of people, it's a very comforting sensation, but it's an absence of something that we've felt for years and years. Well, I would love to feel like that again. <laughs> that sounds like an amazing technique. Well, I guess it's like exercise. You have to do it, you know, over and over and over again because life happens, things happen, those stresses are really still there. You know? Right. And I do tell that to my clients. This isn't kind of a one-time treatment. It's something that we actually have to sustain because we have the forces of gravity pressing down on our body every time we stand up. And the older we are, the more gravity we've been exposed to. So there is truth to the idea that aging makes this more difficult because we just have sustained exposure to gravity. That makes sense. Definitely. I know I'm an avid person in you know wellness and taking care of my body. So I, I feel that. I know that. And I know that stretching the body is so important. Make sure that your spine is elongated and stretched out and not compressed. That's so, so very important. Now, how did you go about changing your runner's knee that you had? Did you cure that through the same technique or was there different techniques that you use for the pain and discomfort in your joints and body? So I actually only just talked about half of what I do. <laughs> so the other half, I actually tend to skew towards Pilates. I'm a firm believer that we also need to have strength and stability around our joints. And there is really something to, in my books anyways, to core strength. So we can do lengthening, elongating, decompression techniques around those joints and in that fashion, those muscles. But once we put that posture back into place, we're going to need some muscles there to make it stick in place. So Pilates was actually my very first training because it was the technique that ultimately healed my knee to the place where, you know, I went on to run many half marathons and only one, but one was enough, one full marathon and had no issues whatsoever with my knee. History has kind of caught up with it, but at some point after I had my knee injury, researchers at the University of Calgary discovered that runner's knee is caused by imbalances in the hip. So Pilates was well ahead of its time in kind of that hip and core strength. And that's ultimately why it actually helped me permanently. But I have built in Pilates to almost all my clients because we do phase one, which is kind of opening the body up. And then phase two is building that strength so that we can permanently stay there. So sometimes those phases blend together and there's different lengths that they last for. So some people it's one session or two sessions of kind of those opening techniques and then we're popped straight into those strengthening techniques. Other people need months of opening and decompression. So it's really customized based on the body that's in front of us. But I'm a very big proponent of Pilates and use it with almost all of my clients. Now for you, do you use Pilates more than yoga or do you see yoga as one of your certifications? You do. And what I will tell you is that I use them both because Pilates was my first certification. I really resisted yoga, but they're very different modalities. So yoga is lengthening at the joint. Pilates is strengthening at the joint. I use both. And, you know, at this point, it's like I wouldn't want to pick my favorite child because they're just totally different. So with your students, do you suggest more Pilates or more yoga or do you tailor it for each person differently and you choose that for them? I choose it for them. I have two different ways to access my work, but I'm fundamentally in 
primarily a private teacher. So that means my real gift and my real core business is me working one-on-one with clients. When I work one-on-one with clients, I can do that either digitally or in person. And we look at the movements, we look at the person's concerns, and then we customize a program for those elements. And that's going to get somebody very rapid results. You know, I worked with a client earlier today. She literally cannot get her bum to engage in any movement, in any plane. So we have to do a problem solving technique. It's not going to be helpful to get her to do warrior two, or it's not going to be helpful to get her to do squats. Nothing happens back there. So we're kind of digging into how do we get this all activated? And she's a really active person. She goes to the gym. She's taken Pilates classes and nothing's happening. That's a great example where that is somebody who's a great candidate for customized work because in a group class, they literally can't take that time to problem solve and to get those muscles activated. I also offer group classes in all of my techniques digitally. So there are people who want group classes because they are former students of mine or they're not in crisis, or they have financial access concerns, or scheduling concerns, etc. So a couple of years ago, I created digital opportunities for people to take each modality in and of themselves. I actually describe the difference as taking a roller and painting the house versus having a fine brush to do it. There's just different levels of detail and different levels of results and efficacy with them. Well, that's great that you expanded your business. You know, a lot of people could use exactly what you're talking about, the physical challenges, the stress-related challenges, and uh, many of us have experienced overwhelm and, you know, overexerting ourselves in so many different areas and stress, but a lot of people need that, the strengthening, the stretching, and to get their bodies and their mind, you know, kind of working together in unison. That is so, so very important. Are there any other modalities or supplementations or anything like that that you incorporate into your programs? I do. I actually do nutrition coaching. And again, it's really tends to be customized. A lot of my clients come to me for customized programs. And the programs are not diet plans. They're not meal plans. It's more based on the idea that we all know the difference between a carrot and a potato chip. We all know which one of those two we should be eating to be more healthy. But there's often a disconnect. So what is getting into our home? What emotions are around that? How do we get family buy-in? One of my favorite clients was actually somebody who had very healthy food in the home, but then had a lot of junk food in the pantry that she told me she would close the door of the pantry at night, turn the lights off, and then snack on these snacks so that her kids couldn't see her. And so how to overcome that and why that was happening in the first place. And all of it ultimately goes back to the wheel of life that I was talking about earlier, where we have these different components of life. We've got finances, we've got our career, we've got education, we've got creativity, we've got our home environment, we've got our relationships. And something is out of alignment because we intellectually know that at dinner time we should be eating the carrots and not the potato chip, but something is going sideways. So we kind of identify where it is and work on that underlying problem. So it's not about the lack of nutrition knowledge. It's why are you in the pantry and why are you sneaking food from your kids? And (laughs) why do the lights need to be off? And 
P.S. How are the junk food items getting into your home? <laughs> well, what would you say to someone who, and I'm going to give you my example. I'm 100% on my diet. However, it took me a while to get the mindset. I used to be so strict, but then I got married. A wonderful, beautiful man who can eat anything he wants and will lose like four pounds on a cruise. And he literally ate nine plates of desserts a day. And I just stick with a little, you know, section of gluten-free area. And they have like four options. And he did eat nine plates of desserts a day. We got off the cruise. I gained 10 pounds. He lost four. <laughs> <laughs> that seems right. That does seem right. <laughs> so what would you say? I mean, I'm pretty good, but it took me years to establish willpower to just remember to think about me, remember my why and stay consistent and true to myself and to my diet. But a lot of people cannot do that. Living with someone like that who can, you know, eat nighttime, you wake up in the morning and there's cakes and crumbs all over the house because, you know, I'll go to sleep early and he stays up to one o'clock in the morning. And that's when, hey, you know, there's cake that I'm hitting the car I can bring out to the house <laughs> and all <laughs> chips and everything else. What would you say to someone who is experiencing that and has no control over the other people who live in the home? We don't. That's the thing. I do get a lot of families and I do get a lot of stories like that because the factual reality is most, not to gender stereotype, but typically females are smaller than males are. And typically females have more of a fat storage response and that's a biological benefit to the female genders. So you're not the first person to share that particular story. And you're right. What is often given to us is, is a willpower model where we just consistently, constantly say, no, we have a program and kind of things that we do and don't eat. And this sounds like a very simple thing that I'm about to say, but it's a little bit difficult to actually execute. But what I actually recommend are finding three items that are 100% worth it. So my three items are champagne. They all start with C. <laughs> I have a bottle right here that someone just dropped off at my front door, which is quite lovely. So champagne, chocolate, and chips. And then I save my indulgences for those three things. I like cookies. I like cake. But I really don't care but I love a potato chip and I love a glass of champagne. And so I save my indulgences for those three things. My son has just put a bag of chocolate into my hand. And so what I have actually done and what I recommend to my clients is really having that list and having that knowledge of what matters to you. So where is that abundance? What's going to really be worth it for you? And that doesn't mean that you binge eat chocolate, but it really helps us know that I would rather save those treats for those three things than have nine plates of something that is okay or sort of good. So I save the indulgences and I recommend that my clients do the same thing. Because if we take that abundance mindset where we say, these are the things that I just swoon over, and I do have people limited to three, then right. you can actually toss out the willpower because you can look at the cookie and be like, eh, that's definitely a second tier item, but I'm going to have a glass of champagne right now. 
So when we have those smaller bodies, especially if they're female, knowing where we want to channel those indulgences and knowing where we can have those indulgences makes the rest super easy to say no to. We need no willpower whatsoever. Wow. So how often should someone eat one of those indulgences? That's a great question. And I think that does come down to individual body chemistry. Honestly, I don't have those kinds of indulgences that often there's both chocolate and champagne here tonight. So let's, let's get it going. It's Friday, but I would say I probably have a glass of champagne once every two weeks, if it's that kind of season or once every two to three months, if it's a different time of year, you know, when we say indulgences, I think that 80% of our diet has to be on that more health oriented end that leaves us room for 20% where it's not. But when I say that, I'm not talking about a whole bottle of champagne or a whole big giant bag of chips. So a glass of champagne or a really good chocolate. And I think that's where we need to get into that upgrading mindset. So don't eat the crappy chocolate. Go get the nicest, most beautiful chocolate that exists. Don't drink the garbage champagne. Go get a bottle of of that's expensive or order some at a restaurant and have something that is delicious. And it crowds out the crap because there's no dollar store chocolate that's going to equal the satisfaction that you're going to get out of a locally made chocolatier that uses actual cocoa butter and uses actual high quality ingredients. Awesome. Awesome information. And now you talked about this is more luxury items and really self-care. You have to take care of yourself every once in a while and treat yourself. What do you tell your students or clients to do outside of the workroom or exercise room that they can do for self-care? to help themselves overall. Because we work, we go work out, we get you know a healthy diet, but there's more to it than that as far as making sure that we're taken care of. Yes. We need to sleep. Sleep. It's very important, yes. And I think that most of us need to move our bodies in ways that are less formal and more fun. So we might have our exercise routines that can happen in a gym or happen when we're clicking the button on the Fitbit or the Apple watch. But I think that most of us need more movement in our life. And that is something that I'm a really big proponent of trying to get the fun and enjoyment back into it. Because as adults, most of us have strong regiments when it comes to exercise. So we're going to go to the gym. We're going to do 45 minutes of cardio. It's going to be at a 45 degree incline. We're going to burn 320 calories. And that's a very disciplined approach. It can be effective, but it's not very fun. Right. One thing that I do for fun each and every single day is I dance twice a day. And it's so much fun, but I move my body. I'm moving my body, trying to be Beyonce whenever I'm going to to that level. <laughs> But that's what I envisioned in my in my mind that I'm doing. But in actuality, I know I have to move my body. So that's something fun. Is there anything else you would suggest? You know, it depends on individual people. So I have a memory of being a child. I was probably 12. And what I loved to do most of all was ride my bike. And I remember listening to my George Michael cassette. And then you'd get that song that you loved and hit the rewind and be looking at the counter and eventually the tape would kind of wear out. And that's for me really equates to that childlike freedom. Not everybody's going to have that same kind of passion towards biking. You mentioned dancing. 
So I think that for most clients, I ask them what activities and movements they love. I don't think I've ever yet had a client who can't easily name it. And I've had answers that range everywhere from speed skating to gardening to running after my grandkids to playing a team sport to what you mentioned, dancing or riding a bike. Some people actually have had long-term life goals of, I just want to run a marathon. But we all kind of have that answer tucked inside. And ideally, it's something that we don't need to measure. We don't need to track. We don't need to record or turn on devices or implements. It's just a way of moving. So this is a very rough calculation. It's not like a mathematical or scientific fact. But we have 24 hours in a day. (laughs) And we're supposed to be sleeping for about eight. So that leaves 16 hours in a day. So if we are supposed to be taking 10,000 steps a day to be not sedentary, according to the CDC, it takes, I don't know, let's be generous, an hour and a half to walk our 10,000 steps. That's leaving most of us 14 and a half hours a day where there's no movement tracking. If we're generous again and we say, okay, well, we spent some time in the kitchen washing the dishes and we were standing in line at the bank or what have you, let's toss another hour and a half off that math. So that's going to take us 12 and a half hours, 13 hours that we're seated. We're not moving. We're not standing. So what in that time can you do? Cause you've got 12, 13 hours to just move a bit more. And that answer is going to range quite dramatically. So is there a hobby that you enjoy that also includes being vertical? Is there something you've always wanted to try that includes being vertical? Somehow that's really the piece that a lot of us are missing because when we're looking at that data, which is aggregate data, we're seeing that the average American doesn't even get 10,000 steps. So I'm being a bit generous with my calculations here even, but most of us don't self-describe ourselves as sedentary, but the data is showing that we are. And so somehow through social activities or something we enjoy, that's the biggest challenge for most people is quite frankly, how do you get off your ass and do it in a way that actually is satisfactory and enjoyable to you? And we all have that answer. It could be from our childhood. It could be from something that is a goal or like you, you're just dancing just to dance. And I think that that's what most of us need. We need something that is not structured, not counted, not measured, just something where we get more movement in our body. Wow. You are a wealth of health. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Janice, tell me what, what are you doing now? What's new for Janice in the I guess the year 2021 is coming up, right? It is. We are in December of 2020 when we're recording this. And this whole year has been a bit interesting because, of course, we continue to have our global pandemic. So in the jurisdiction where I live, this week, we closed our businesses down again. So my bricks and mortar component of my business is shut again. So I'm back to doing one-to-one Zooms and one-to-one classes and... Thank God for Zoom. Right? I've actually really enjoyed aspects of Zoom because it connects people that wouldn't otherwise be connected. And it does offer the capacity to work with people all over the world, quite frankly. I mean, I had a client in Australia, which is literally the other side of the world. So there is a lot to be said for online work because we can get amazing results and the person does not need to be physically present. So 2021... I'm really focused on nurturing that digital business. 
I'm continuing to reopen the bricks and mortar business when that is available. But I started my digital business in January of 2018. Fortunately, that was a couple of years before the pandemic. But that's still, in terms of the business world, that's still a toddler. It's going to hit its third birthday in January. So I would say based on my bricks and mortar business, it takes five to six years to really get some independence of that business unit. So that's really my focus for 2021 is just continuing to nurture and grow and parent that piece of my business. Awesome. That's all we can do is continue to move forward and continue to grow. And Janice, can you leave our listeners with three tips? You can choose those tips, three tips to leave them by to just experience better health, body, mind, what have you. So I would say tip number one, we covered already, which is really find your physical passion something that makes you happy. And to the best that you can, try to make it something that doesn't have data associated with it. So it could be something from childhood. You love riding your bike. It could be something unstructured, such as you love to dance and you can do Zoom dance parties. (laughs) It could be something that you can do with other people. So it doesn't even need to be something that you do alone. But just allow your brain some time to think about if you could do anything physically with your body that wasn't quote unquote working out, but that would help you get a bit more movement, what would that look like? And how can you take a step to incorporate that into your day-to-day life? And it has to be something that you authentically enjoy, not that you're doing for a result. So that's tip one. Tip two, we also covered in terms of nutrition, I would challenge you to look at your treats and indulgences and really name the three that you love so much that you would give up all the rest. And actually, in a way, I think you need to find ways to invite those more often into your life because it helps cut out the other stuff. So go buy yourself a bottle of champagne Go buy some nice chocolate or something that you love. And then see if that helps crowd out those other habits that aren't really feeding you. Tip three is really commit to dealing with tension and compression in your life. And that could be old stuff. As you mentioned, it could be trauma from another point in your life. It could be current stressors. Removing those is going to be step one to having a more comfortable body because those emotional stressors are going to put that tension and compression in your body. So 2021 is a great time, even if nothing else gets accomplished, to really identify those areas of your life that are out of balance and You don't need to make sweeping life changes. You don't need to get divorced or quit your job. But just even coming to a place of recognizing it and voicing it, and if you are ready to deal with it, then take those first steps and identify what sorts of practitioners or what sort of supports you need to do that. So if we want to deal with old trauma, maybe it's time to get a therapist or a trauma therapist. If we want to make progress on changing a career, you might need some career coaching or some support or a life coach. So I think that health is a 360 degree vision. We can't have health if we want to get divorced or if we're financially stressed every day. So just know that the base level of health is actually looking at the whole pie chart of our life and getting real about it and saying, I'm not happy. This isn't how I want to live. 
or dealing with those old traumas. Wow. All of that is great, great, great information that I am definitely going to put in place today. Physical passion. Well, I already have one acting like I'm J-Lo. <laughs> and well, I'm over here working on number two. I've got my chocolate and champagne that the, the fairies just delivered to the door, so we're good. <laughs> there we are. And just remove the stresses and tensions of life and get it out of our bodies so that we can, you know, move better, feel better, and everything all connect more efficiently. We can live a better life overall. That is beautifully stated. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Miss Janice, for being on the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I truly enjoyed you. Like I said, your wealth of information. How can our uh, listeners find you? My business name is My Body Couture, which is three words. My, M-Y, body, B-O-D-Y, couture, C-O-U-T-U-R-E. So I'm available at the .com. You can come check out my website or you can send me an email or a text through the information on that website. I'm also available on Instagram and Facebook under the same name. So you can add me as a friend or contact on those pages as well as send me a direct or private message. Absolutely. So find her and you will see that she practices exactly what she preaches. I do. I actually do. (laughs) too. Well, super. Well, thank you so much again, Janice. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. For more inspiring conversations, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or feedback, you can reach me directly at beseenbelovedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.